Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 35 of the Yacking Podcast. We talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world. We always have interesting guests for you, and today we've got a bonus. We have two interesting guests for you, but I will now hand over and welcome Kathleen, my co-host, and she will introduce our guests. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Peter. How are you? And hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We so appreciate you tuning into our show. And as always, we always value your comments and suggestions. So, so please keep them coming. And as Peter said, yes, we have two very special guests with us today. Please welcome uh, John Weiss and his colleague, Alessandro Presenza. John and Alex, maybe you can, uh, I'm going to push, put a little, push it over to you so that you can introduce yourselves and just tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about yourselves. John? Thank you so much, Kathleen. I have been an advocate for several years for the better treatment of the elderly in nursing homes. This has involved my work with the Seniors Guardian Angels program. And through this, I had the good fortune of meeting Alessandro along the way where we both advocated for this together. This all drastically changed in March when nursing homes in Ontario were locked down with COVID, which, uh, and here we are now several months later and this lockdown has not been lifted. As a result, nursing homes are now prisons. That is the patients there, the residents, can no longer have visitors come whenever they like, and the residents cannot leave. They're basically prisoners in their own residence. This is why Alessandro and I had formed Nursing Homes Are Not Prisons. Great. And I would like, I'd like to turn it over to Alessandro to give his thing. Okay, well, thanks very much, John. Appreciate that. And thank you, Kathleen. And thank you, Peter, for having me today. Of course, uh, it's always a pleasure. And um, I wanted to just uh, introduce myself a little bit. So I'm up here in uh, Canada. I don't know if that uh, helps. I'm in the north of uh, Canada, Sudbury, Ontario. And basically, I met John about a year ago, not even that long ago. And I heard about him. And I'd seen him advocating out there. And... Um, so what John said is basically uh, the fact. In fact, on uh, early March, about midway through March, um, my brother and I, especially my little brother, had gone up to visit my dad. And he came home and said, they didn't let me in today. Uh, we went to visit our 91-year-old father, who is an Italian-speaking, uh, old-school Italian, who lost his wife two years ago in the nursing home and had nobody in the home that could speak Italian to him. So he was alone now. So uh, we never thought much about it on day one. By the way, my brother's deaf, so he kind of didn't really get the whole story. And on, uh, later on, day four and five, we called and asked if we could take him out and if we could at least go and visit him. And they said no. And uh, we brought food and dropped it off. We weren't even allowed to go up to the fourth floor to see him. And then this one went on. And on day 10, uh, day 11, uh, we uh, got a call and basically it said, you know, you need to come in and see him. He, uh, he basically uh, has declined. 
so to the point where um, he stopped eating. Mm -hmm. And on day 12, he died. Ah. So that's a pretty, you know, pretty heartbreaking story for us. It was devastating. We didn't get a chance to see him in those 12 days. And uh, I only got to speak to him twice by telephone. Um, but uh, the part that's probably the most concerning to me is that uh, I wasn't allowed to go and see him in his room previous to that, but I wasn't allowed into his residence. So this becomes a very technical uh, legal argument, which is why we created the organization, or specifically I follow John's lead on that, but he's been doing this for so much longer. And we created the organization, uh, uh, Nursing Homes Are Not Prisons. So, um, so the concern that we've got is basically that all of our seniors right now are being basically restricted from leaving and going out with their essential family and caregivers, essential uh, caregivers. They're not visitors, they're family. And uh, while at the same time, they're letting other strangers into the home. Mm -hmm. So there doesn't seem to have been a lot of forethought put into this at all. Uh, they just sort of took a hardline stand without thinking through the devastating consequences of isolation and loneliness. And as a result, uh, we don't have any numbers, but we're, we're now, we now know that seniors are dying because of isolation, the psychological effects of loneliness, right. dehydration, um, um, you know, all kinds of other uh, issues that are going on. Uh, specifically, though, the, the psychological component. Now, we know that recently they've allowed families in uh, on a very limited basis, but this doesn't restore their individual rights and freedoms under the Charter of Human Rights and Freedoms. So we're concerned about the fact that we, family or essential caregivers, were, they were given a little bit, but not enough, because uh, all that needs to happen is numbers need to go up and they can revert right back to the original mm -hmm. uh, argument that families are no longer allowed back in so i'm not i don't want to take up too much time and uh, i i'll turn it back over to any questions or anything but uh, uh that's sort of our story in a nutshell well alex i i can um oh my goodness i can relate so well to your story in particular because something similar happened to me and although you both are the star of this show i just want to share my personal story which is one of the reasons that i feel so um so passionate about what you're doing and it's such an important cause because my dad went into long-term care in January of this year. And of course, in March, all, we were all also not allowed to go and visit him anymore. He, he was uh, mentally intact, completely intact, but he was declining. And um, we were also called in at the beginning of June to say, oh, he's really declined. You should probably come in. My mother and I went to see him and, and, we were by his bedside because they didn't think he would survive uh, the next 24 hours. And lo and behold, he picked up a little bit because he saw us. And then the very next day we were denied access to him yet again uh, because he had picked up. And a week later he died and we, he died alone mm -hmm. surrounded by strangers, I guess, mm -hmm. but that will live with me forever. And I'm so upset about this. And um, anyways, that is my story in a nutshell. But John, you volunteer for Senior Guardian Angel, the Senior Guardian Angel program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that program? 
Certainly. Uh, Seniors Guardian Angels program was founded in 2002 by Betty Miller, who is a wonderful woman who has been in the industry for, I think, 30 years. So she has seen the decline in long-term care over that period of time. And the advocation has been typically meeting with government officials and just letting them know the concerns. This all drastically changed with the Ford government where Christine Elliott did not want to meet with her. This was the first minister of health in decades. And likewise, with the newly created Ministry of Long-Term Care, Marilee Fullerton also declined this offer. So we thought that very strange that the government officials in charge of this just did not want to meet with advocates to, to hear what they had to say. So we, the last event Betty and I did was in January, where we did a press conference and just addressed our concerns about long-term care at the beginning of 2020. And I don't want to say it was prophetic, but a lot of our concerns came through, where the system is so held together in a piecemeal string and glue way that any slight little bump is going to basically cause it to collapse. We saw that with the tragic uh, murders in nursing homes mm -hmm. by nurse Elizabeth Wettlaufer. Yep. And the first part of the uh, public inquiry had seen basically a system where there was no accountability and a structure that was so loose to the point that this nurse could continue killing people. The only reason she was caught was because she admitted it. And our position was the same thing could happen again because nothing yeah. has changed. And this is something we've definitely seen with COVID and the horrific report issued by the Canadian military on the conditions in some nursing homes. There are a lot of other really horrific nursing homes that were not visited by the military. So now that the military deployment has finished and this uh, gulag-like conditions um, have been fixed at the most superficial way, what is going to happen next? Mm -hmm. mm. That's a big worry. Uh, <clears throat> Alex, you, if I can switch back to Alex for a moment, you, you've mentioned um, the new, the new organisation, Nursing Homes and Not Prisons. Tell us a little bit more about your work there and how it differs from the Guardian Angels project. Well, this uh, new project basically is uh, just, we're trying to uh, uh, locate uh, and identify a uh, constitutional lawyer who will help us to file um, a constitutional um, challenge, an interpretation of the constitution. Because mm -hmm. I currently am a paralegal student, so I'm actually starting to just get my feet wet in this subject. Right. And every time, every time somebody says, uh, for example, a couple of days ago, someone said the, uh, the uh, I can't remember if it was the governor or somebody had 
basically said the Ford government broke the law by doing something, Ford said, well, we beg to differ. Well, I mean, so what it's always seems to be coming down to is, uh, you know, what do these uh, acts really say? What does it say in the Long-Term Care Home Act? What does it say in the, in the uh, Constitution, in our Constitution? What does it say in the acts? And do we really need to resort to lawyers and lawsuits to get any kind of... Um, you know, any kind of clarity on these things. I mean, so we found out after a while that these guys are just seeming like, it just seems like conversation and discussion isn't going to work because it seems like it's just not being, they're not listening. I mean, this has been going on for over uh, 45 years. Yeah. Uh, the push for, the push for uh, working conditions for PSWs, the, the push for um, uh, families, um, you know, to have better care in homes. Uh, the, this has been going on for a long time, and there's quite a few issues. Um, but we, uh, especially after the Army report came out, uh, that was really kind of what made us very concerned at this point. And we just decided that uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking, and especially in John's case right now, like he has a mom-in-law in, in a home still. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, John Weiss, yeah, his mom-in-law is in the home right now. So, um, that, you know, I don't have anyone in a home right now, but there's so many friends and families that I know about that do. And they're still not being given, uh, the, they're still not being granted their rights. And the residents are not being granted mm -hmm. their rights. Now, somebody says, well, it's not about the rights of the families. It's about the rights of the residents. It's really the rights of both of them. Absolutely. Because because there are actually what we call essential caregivers that need to get back into the homes immediately for the psychological and spiritual well-being of their loved ones, even just to be able to sit by their bed with them, even be able to just pray with them, even be able to sing songs with them. Even be, that's what we used to do when we used to visit my mom and dad. We used to sing songs, sit by their bed, pray with them, talk with them. I can't even imagine uh, you know, someone not letting me do that as an essential caregiver. So I'm fighting for the rights of essential caregivers to get back into these homes and to get back in quickly to seek immediate relief. And this is all across Canada. It's not just in Ontario, but uh, basically I'll let John talk more about how families can contact us and uh, what we like to be doing. And um, so, uh, you know, this is a very, very uh, delicate topic. It's, a it's a, an emotional topic, but John has been doing this for a long time. So I've admired his advocacy. And uh, I just started doing this maybe about, oh, maybe two years ago since I or really since I lost my mom a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I actually started to become aware of people like John and people like the guardian angels and other groups were out there that were doing stuff like this. So, but we felt we needed to go the legal route. Uh, no one else seems to be listening. They're not taking any of this uh, serious. They say they are. Uh, they keep talking about adding, uh, you know, 600 beds. We got 38 people, 38,000 people on a wait list. Wow. Talking about adding 600 beds. That just brings the total to 37,360 more right. people in Ontario only. Only. Wow. On the wait list. And Quick one. What about the, um, this whole argument about COVID right now and sure. restricting visitations to nursing homes helps to reduce the spread of COVID. What, what do you say to that? Uh, I don't know. Are you asking me or would you like John to take that? John, John, what is your take on that? C certainly. Well, certainly if visitation is 
restricted or eliminated, there is a lower propensity for COVID to be spread. Uh, we're not disputing that. The whole point being is visitors are necessary. First of all, right at the top, it is their legal right. Yep. What would it be like if you lived in a high-rise building and the landlord had said, well, because of COVID, you can't have any visitors in. Right. Oh, and because of COVID, you can't have visitors, uh, or rather, you, you can't go outside to see people. You can only have visits once a week under my supervision. I would tell them to take a hike and look for another place to live. But this is exactly what is happening yep. in nursing homes where uh, ultimately, yes, it does bring in some increased element of risk to COVID or other illnesses as well, too. But ultimately, one, it is people's legal right in Canada to have visitors come into your own residence and for you to leave. Otherwise, it would be house arrest. And it is basically illegal under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the Constitution, the highest yeah. law in the land. On a more practical basis, though, the visitors coming in are the feedback loop for the nursing homes. Visitors are going to tell the nursing home staff and management about problems. Visitors are going to report problems to the government authorities, the Minister of uh, Health and Long-Term Care Inspection, the police, public safety, or public health, rather. The end, more importantly, if this is not resolved, visitors are going to instigate, instigate lawsuits. And yep. we have been seeing a lot of civil lawsuits with COVID, and this seems to be the only thing these nursing homes understand because it's a for-profit industry. If there is no one watching over, some of them are going to cut corners to save money. And it is more cost-effective for them to do that, to horribly neglect their patients, as we have seen with the military report. So... To, to, to conclude what I've said, one, it is the legal right of the residents in nursing homes to have patients, and two, this is what keeps the system functioning, where it is the, the feedback loop for complaints and to get things resolved. May I Absolutely. add a couple? May I add sure. one thing? That, Carry uh, on. Well, I mean, um, Kathleen, you asked about COVID, right? Yes. Okay. So everything that the army uncovered had uh, nothing to do with COVID. That was going to be my question to you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And in fact, I mean, if you go through, and I just read the report of, uh, literally a few days ago, I literally took the time to download it and sit down and read the whole report. All the stuff that has been being talked about for the last 25 years is the stuff that these residents, 80% of people that have died have been in long-term care. They didn't die of COVID. No. But the people that have been affected when they said you can't come in because of COVID, the stuff that the armor revealed is stuff that has nothing to do with COVID. Absolutely. So now, 
Now, does reducing visitation reduce the probability or possibility of bringing COVID in? Well, not if you test the person, not if you get them to do what they're doing now. What they are doing now, they should have done actually back in March. Yeah. Instead of reacting emotionally and panicking and cutting families off. And as a result of cutting families off, these families, like my dad, he literally gave up. They see he died of old age. Of course he was 91. What do you expect? He didn't die of young age. He died of old age, but right. did he have underlying symptoms? They, we don't know what he really died of. And you know, um, at this point, I'd like to just add one more little thing. When it comes to interpretation of rights, whose rights are, can they get in or not? We're talking about procedures of application of law here. We're just not talking about making these uh, decisions like that. I mean, they were letting people in that were untrained, according to the army, that had no idea that they were what they were doing. They were, they didn't have uh, protocol. They didn't have protocols in place. I mean, things that were going on in these nursing homes were, as a result, anyone that died after after March when they stopped letting families in. I mean, obviously, it accelerated everything. Um, but John's so right about the visitors or feedback loop. We need to get the residents back in. They're the ones that hold the homes accountable for the tragedy and for the horrible negligence that they've been responsible for. And so therefore, lawsuits seems to be the only language that they understand. So yep, that's why we're does. doing that. Wow. I know we've got quite a lot more we need to talk about, but let's try and look for something positive amongst all this chaos. What, mm -hmm. John, John, back to you. What, what good could come out of this? I, I admire what you're doing. You're exposing problems. We're trying to get things sorted out. But if we look at the longer term, um, the problem, as Alex has just been saying, it's far greater than COVID. Uh, the problem is far greater than that. How do we fix the, the longer problem? Is it just a case of allocating more money to it? Is it a, a whole mindset problem? What do you think going forward? Well, first of all, just to define the problem with a bit more clarity, we have in Ontario the Long-Term Care Health Act, and there's similar mm -hmm. acts in provinces across Canada. But in Ontario, it is, in a practical sense, it is optional for the nursing homes to follow that. What I mean by this is there are no consequences if they don't. My experience has been this. In reporting some very horrific things to the inspection branch at the ministry, from the time this was reported to the time an inspection was done, a report was written, and meaningless written reprimands were issued, that span was one year. Wow. One year. And we are not talking about minor things. We are talking about physical abuse of patients, not uh, sexual abuse, not feeding patients, not changing their adult diapers. These were very heinous things that a particular nursing home was doing to its victims to its patients to cut corners, to save money. And this is all the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care is willing to do, to give a written report, proverbial slap on the wrist, and say, do better next time. And looking at this particular nursing home, at the way these same things came up repeatedly, year after year, they were not doing better next time. They were basically being shown that they could get away with this. One of the problems we have, I call it cross-pollination, 
that there is too close a relationship between the ministry and the long-term care industry where people will leave uh, employing with one organization to work in another and vice versa. It is too close. So basically what it comes down to is the ministry is tacitly giving the nursing home industry permission to do this under the pretenses that they will not be facing any consequences. Consequences, right. And exactly. And this is terrible for, let's call them the good operator nursing homes who are out to provide quality care. It, it does not do a service for the actual patients, the residents in nursing homes. And as this is subsidized by the taxpayers in Ontario, it does not do them a service either. And sure. just to point out that the taxpayers of today are going to become the nursing home patients of tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. Wow. I have an idea. Just yep. to add that, um, John uh, mentioned about uh, stiffer sanctions or penalties. I think that would have been good to do a long time. Maybe they would have uh, got their act together, so to speak, but they didn't because like John said, they knew they didn't have to. They knew they could get away with so much of that. Uh, but let me uh, mention just a couple things about the homes that the army went into. They went into five and found five out of five. Wow. So the hundred percent of the homes were basically involved uh, with the same, you know, uh, identical problems. problems. So that would probably lead us to a conclusion that if they were to send the army into 10, it would have been 10 or 20, it would have been 20 or uh, 600. It would have been probably maybe 80%. We mm-hmm. might say there's a lot of good operators out there. We don't know how many. So we're all throwing that out there as if there are good operators and there have to be good operators. There must be. We would hope we so. Don't know, we don't know the numbers. So one of the things we're calling for is actually all the homes to be basically checked out in the same way. Number two, we're calling for an inquiry and not a commission. That's what the provincial government here in in Ontario is calling for this commission. We don't need a commission. We need a public inquiry. And that public inquiry would lead us to discover what were the underlying problems? Where did they begin? How did all of this breakdown happen? And I think it would lead us to a much more transparent, um, 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 let's say, uh, outcome. And we would then be able to fix many of these problems. If we just have a glossed over commission, it's just going to keep on going. So they're not sure. dealing with the root of the problem. They're only dealing with the symptom and they don't seem to, um, at, you know, so at this point, I, I'll leave it over with you guys and uh, we're just okay. asking that to do a public inquiry. We, we're going to be running out of time in a minute. Something I want to throw in here for both of you, and that is the, the demographics don't paint a good picture. We, are, we have an aging population. And we are looking at a huge financial crunch as a result of the overreaction to the virus generally. Well, you know, we have businesses that are never going to reopen. So the, the uh, budget is going to be under strain. Revenues are certainly going to be down. Taxation will have to go up. And we're going to have greater numbers of people needing access to long-term care facilities as they get old. So that's even more reason to sort this problem out and move forward. Uh, I think it's time. We need to ask you if people would like to get hold of either of you and your organizations, tell us quickly the best way for them to do that. John, do you want to start off? Yes. The best way to do is to go to our website, nursinghomesarenotprisons.com, all one word. And on that, there is contact information where you can send us an email. 
and make a donation if you're so inclined and join us in as partners in our legal challenge to re restore the residents' rights to have visitors. Well, you know what, it's been such a, uh, an honor to have you both join us today, and we look forward to hearing a follow-up. We would love to do a follow-up yes. interview with you down the road to see where things are at. Must and um, we wish you all the best, and of course, you know I'm all in onto this cause. So if you need my help in any way, I'm here. And a, Thanks, a very Catherine. quick a quick one as well. If we if some of our audience in Ontario would like to volunteer or help out the Guardian Angels organization, um, can they contact you through the same website, John? Actually, just to make clear, the Guardian Angels is a separate organization. Okay. And you're, you're most welcome to contact me there or check out our website at sgap.ca. Excellent. Okay. Well, that gives us two ways people can contact you. And uh, again, as Kathleen said, thank you so much. This is a, a really sensitive and important topic. And I, we wish you all the best in your campaign and, and getting advocacy for people in long-term care. And we certainly hope we get some results. And we would like to get you back for a follow-up. And hopefully you'll have some good news in a couple of months' time. So to our... To our audience, thank you for listening. You can contact our speakers through either the YouTube or the audio site. Welcome. I mean, thank you. And we would look forward to welcoming you to a new episode in the next few days. Goodbye, everybody.